Thank you for downloading this message from Pastor Ryan today. We believe you will be encouraged and challenged by this message. That information as well. John 20, are you there? John, uh, John, I didn't tell you where to go. I didn't hear no pages turning. I thought there's something wrong. Obviously, it's a lack of communication on my part. John 20, John 20. You know, there's so much unrest and anxiety and uncertainty in the world. I made a statement a minute ago, you can live 40 days without food, 8 days without water, you can hold your breath for 4 minutes, but you can't live long without hope. (laughs) You can't live long without an anticipation or an excitement that something's going to change. And uh, I'm confident, in fact, I'm expectant. You understand what expectant means? Ask James and Christy, some dear friends of ours that we pastored years ago. Christy, we love y'all. You remember Christy's the, the testimony of a few months ago about how God had promised her a child. And in case you didn't know, she's got baby glow. She said within just a couple weeks she will give birth to their first child. That's called expectation. That's a blessing, isn't it? It's a blessing. But see, expectation says, I know it's on the way. I know it's on the way. How does she know it's on the way? Well, there's some obvious signs. Right? When you can no longer see your toes. Obvious signs. I asked her a minute ago before service, I said, you got baby movement, right? You know, Because when you get to about eight months, eight and a half months... Uh, the confines of the room. So you find elbows poking and knees kicking out and because what's inside's about to get out. And God so uniquely, I don't know why I'm using this illustration, but God so uniquely created a woman to know that as she passes through trimester, she gets to this place where she knows it's time. And then the body's... Uh, reaction to the timing is the releasing of water. The body says it's time. The baby says it's time. And Mama been saying it's time for a while. And then you get to the place where pain turns into the promise. Because there's not a woman in this room that's went through labor and gave birth to a child that called its child pain. Because when the pain subsides, the promise is evident. How many understand in life there's a lot of pain? There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of things of discomfort. (laughs) But only in a few minutes... See, I still believe in the hope of a coming king. See, I'm one of them old school preachers. I still believe that Jesus is coming back. (laughs) See, I'm still one of those guys that that believe in the Bible. (laughs) There's a thought. (laughs) I still believe in the spiritual reality that Jesus Christ is coming back. (laughs) See, I got some hope for the future, and I got answers for those that got questions. He's coming back. Amen. 
But see, we're so time-starved in our culture that we don't have time to think about a coming king. We're time-starved, aren't we? I mean, the demands of life, the struggles of life, the pressures of life, how many understand they're just almost overwhelming? And then you come to church and you're like, look, can you hurry up? Because now our life is so jam-packed that even we can't set aside a few moments to think about the hope. John chapter 20, are you there? See, I'm a part of a, a bigger family here. I'm not a part of the segmented and fragmented group. I'm a part of the, of the body. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm ready, ready for His coming. The Bible says in verse 1, I won't preach long. I just need to read this. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. You say it's not Easter. I understand that, but you can read it when it's not Easter Sunday. Huh? You can read it any time. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, and while it was still dark, saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran. Now, I don't know why she didn't go in. I don't know why she didn't take a peek. I'd have looked. Huh? I'd have had to take a look. I'm like, I'm not sure about this. The Bible says she ran back to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Who did Jesus love? John. So she runs back to, to Peter and John and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. Well, how did she know they'd taken him away? She assumed. She assumed he wasn't in there because the stone had been moved. So her first inclination was what? Somebody stole him. There's a faith-filled statement. They stole the Lord. <laughs> Why couldn't she say he's risen? Because most of us deal with pain through negativity and not assurance. Because when, oh, y'all don't want to talk. See, when pain hits our life, we have a tendency to funnel it through negativity. Listen, I understand we've all been wounded. Anybody in the room not been wounded? You've not been wounded? We've all been wounded. That's what you say, amen. And okay, I got you. See, I say it so fast, I done twisted him up. He's like, I, I don't know. Anybody in the room not been wounded? Relationship wounds? Emotional wounds? Abusive wounds, addictive wounds. I've got a litany of scars where I've been wounded. And I know some of your stories. And you've got stories where you've been wounded. You've been wounded by a divorce. You've been wounded by abuse. Do you realize 25%, one quarter of all baby boomers came out of an abusive relationship that was both verbal and physically abusing? Do you realize we're living in a world of people that are in pain? They're wounded. And when you're wounded, it's difficult to have hope. When you're wounded with pain, it's difficult to see optimistically the good. Because unfortunately, all you can see is the peril of the pain. When Mary got to Peter and got to John, she said, Somebody stole the Lord. 
Now, I don't know about Peter and John. I'd have had to say, excuse me. Excuse me, what would you say? They've stolen. They've taken the Lord. They've taken him out of the tomb. Listen to what she said. And we do not know where they've laid him. Isn't that interesting? She said, we don't know where they laid him at. So obviously, somebody conspired to steal the Lord's body. That's her story. How many has got stories to tell? And most of them are stories that you have fabricated. You fabricated them because of your own pain, your own problem, your own peril, your own wounds, your own suffering. And because of that, I need to let you know it's been rough. It's been terrible. It's been a bad experience. I have cried myself to sleep every night for 30 years. You'd be surprised the stories you hear. Now listen to this. The Bible says, Peter, verse 3, therefore went out and the other disciple." John, I don't know why John didn't call himself who he was. See, if I was writing a book, I'd have said, uh, Peter and I, y'all don't want to talk. Uh huh. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. Now, I like verse 4. Don't you like verse 4? So they both ran Together. Key word, ran. Unfortunately, they weren't running with expectation. Oh, come on. Was it that they were running with anticipation that he was risen? They were running because they were told the body's been stolen. What are you running from? And what are you running to? See, we're not always running with expectation. You would assume because we're running, we're running with expectation. But that's not always true. Sometimes we're running in retreat because of fear and anxiety and pressure. Who spoke into your life and caused you to run to start with? Come on, let's talk for a few minutes, can we? Who spoke into your life and caused you to run? See, so many times on Sunday, I feel like I am, I am your cheerleader. Obviously, I don't do a very well, very good job at that. Because I want you to run after promise. I want you to run with faith. I want you to run to holiness. I want you to run to purity. I want you to run into the bosom of your loving Lord. But I realize I'm not the only one speaking in your life. And that there are other voices. Other negativities. Other wounds and other pains. And there's other voices that are speaking, forcing you to run. Peter and John were running to the tomb, but they weren't running to the tomb because they were excited. They were fearful. They were running to the tomb because they had a report, and the report was Mary Magdalene said somebody stole the body. There's a sermon right there. Y'all hear me? That's something right there we could just plow into. So they both ran together, and the other disciple, now that's a shame, the other disciple outran Peter. Far be it from John to boast. You know what John said? I outran him. Y'all reading the Bible? Isn't it interesting how we'll boast how we outrun people? I'm more spiritual than them. I know I am. 
I can outrun them any day. Did you forget both of you were running in fear? <laughs> Isn't it interesting how we'll celebrate ourselves? Woo, look at me. I outrun Peter and he walked on water. <laughs> Come on, work with me. John's like, he called himself the other disciple. Mary Magdalene went to Peter and the one Jesus loved, the beloved, that was John. Right? And now he's being coy. He's like, I outran the other one. Yeah, I outran him. Yeah, but you were both running with anxiousness. Why are you trying to beat somebody else to fear? What pride is there to run harder toward the pain and the problem? See, the Bible says that he outran him. He outran Peter. And they came to the, he got to the tomb first. Yay for me. I'm the first one to tell you Mary's right. Somebody stole the body. You'd be surprised how many... Come on, y'all, y'all, y'all. you'd be surprised how many people will outrun you to church to tell you how miserable life is for you. Huh? I mean, they'll beat you to the door. In fact, sometimes they open the door for you. Come on in, miserable. Welcome to a miserable day. Thank you for joining us at the most miserable church in Canton, Georgia. The worship's planning to be miserable. The prayers will be pathetic, not prophetic. It's a miserable day in the house. And that's where I say gloom, despair on me. If it had not been for... You tell me my wife's the only one that ever watched that. If it had not been for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. We just went old school, and some of you are like, what are you talking about? Y'all never watch Hee Haw? Come on, y'all too young? Thank you. I got one on the back. See, those, see, we, yeah, some of you don't want to admit it. I feel you. But isn't that how pain makes us respond? Difficulties kind of zaps the, the anxiousness of, of there could be a possibility. He's the resurrection. He said, I'm the resurrection, but evidently we have a problem because the body's gone. Really? The body's gone? Yep, somebody stole it. Jesus' whole ministry is what? I'm the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Jesus has said, I'm going to lay my life down and raise it back up. He said, I am the temple. Jesus has been telling them the whole time, here's the plan of God. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to lay for three days. The birds are not going to sing. The sun's not going to show up. Everybody's going to grieve except for hell. They're going to throw a fabulous party. And then I'm going to get up. <laughs> and Mary Magdalene runs to John and Peter and said, Somebody stole the body. And then John outruns Peter and is thrilled about it. Because he's not running with the anticipation of a resurrection. He's running to figure out who stole the body. 
And he's proud that he can get there before Peter to confirm the truth, which is what? The body's gone. Somewhere we need a revelation, don't we? Somewhere we've got to stop just running every time things don't make sense. Look at your neighbor's state. Stop running all the time. Because we run all the time. Every time things don't go our way, we run away from God. We don't run to Him with anticipation that He's about to change it. We run away like He's failed us. Oh, y'all don't want to talk. All right, let, say this with me. Pastor, finish reading. Thank you. you keep me on task. I'm having a spiritual ADHD moment. I just want to get to this, and I just, I just so much there I want to unload on you, and I can't, I don't have time. The Bible says, He outran Peter, came to the tomb first. Yay. And, verse 5, And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there. Yet he didn't go in. Like, why did you not go in? You outrun Peter to get there. So you peek in. You see the linens laying there. And his first response is, I ain't going in there. Why am I not going in there? Because evidently who was in there ain't in there no more. And whoever took him might still be in there. So I'm not going in there without a witness. (laughs) Peter, hurry up. See, y'all don't, y'all don't embellish the stories like I do, but here's the deal. The Bible says he came, to the, he came there first. He stooped. He looked in. He saw the linen cloth, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter. How many know Simon? Peter didn't have any problem. You may outrun me, but I got some confidence. I'm going to walk in here. He was the only one willing to get out of the boat and walk on the water, right? Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb. Here's the power of perception. Here's the power of revelation. And when he saw the linen cloth laying there, and the handkerchief or the napkin that had been around his head was not laying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself, then the other disciple, yeah, really, John, who came to the tomb first, went in also. And he saw and... He saw and he believed... After Peter saw and believed. Now, how many finds that quite interesting? I did. I found it interesting. I thought that's pretty cool. You know, here's John. He outruns him. He peeks in. He's afraid to go in. They both running with a report that was wrong. Right? They were both running with a report from Mary Magdalene. Somebody stole the body. So the whole motivation for them to get to the tomb wasn't based on resurrection. It was based on their fear that somebody stole the body and we need to apprehend who stole the body, get the body back, put the body back where it belongs. So the whole motivation was pain. So they were running with pain because they had a misreport. I wonder how many of us have had misreports in our life that have forced us to run to confirm what we thought was our reality. Glory to God. How many times do you spend energy, anxious moments, running with a negative report? 
You're no different than Peter and John. You heard a word that things are bad, and so because you heard it, you run trying to confirm the reality of what's negative. Because faith doesn't come alive until you have a greater authority. So people speak into your life. CNN speaks into your life. Fox News speaks into your life. Talks to you about economic things. Talks to you about uh, uh, problems overseas. Talks to you about pending danger and perilous times. And your children come home from our educational system. And they introduce you to what's being taught to them. You shake your head in frustration because you know it's not biblical or true. And everywhere we turn, the world that we live in continues to do what? Feed us with misrepresented material. Pain and problems and peril and danger and things that are wrong. And so most of us, though we're born again and wash in the blood and we know Christ and we've walked with Him, we still allow those who are misinformed to cause us to become toxic in our faith. And we run trying to find the reality of what they prophesied. Instead of hearing what the Lord prophesied, that he was going to do, we allow those who are in a natural arena to tell me how my future is. Who has the authority in an earth suit to tell you what your future is? Who can prophesy to you out of their mouth of carnality the reality of your future, lest the Lord give them the breath to speak? I ain't got to the good stuff yet. I heard you. Hurry up. I'm working it. I just want you to understand how Peter and John's functioning. They're not functioning any different than you and I. That ought to help us feel a little better about life. Huh? Mary Magdalene, so much told the body. Did it not occur to her possibly Jesus did what he said he was going to do? Did it not dawn on her that possibly? Never. <laughs> no. Because immediately she said, somebody stole the body. And she's got to go tell somebody the reality of what she thinks. See, you can't give birth to promise when you're expecting something that's stillborn. You know how you know? That everything's well in there? Because I joke her in there going. And then what does she do? She said, this is my reality. So she takes James' hand and says, feel this. Huh? Ain't that right? You do that to him, right? Because see, Marcia can, I can recall, Marcia laying in the bed and she said, feel that elbow? I don't know that that's an elbow, but whatever you say. Feel like a knot to me. That's an, that's an elbow. Because mama. But see, mama's reality is conveyed to a father. And we accept it as truth. Because why? Because we can see it. And we can feel it. 
And see, when life presents you a reality that you cannot see and you cannot feel, it's difficult to embrace. How do you embrace what you cannot see and what you cannot feel? Because we're no different than Mary Magdalene. She didn't see and she didn't feel, but she responded to the reality negatively, and that's no different than me. And so she goes and gives the report to John and to Peter, and then they have a foot race back to confirm her reality. John won't go in. Peter walks in. When Peter walks in, he finds the linen cloth that they had, after washing and preparing the body of Christ, they had washed him and wrapped him up and laid him in that sepulcher, in that place. As the custom was, they also laid a napkin, a garment over the face. Now the Bible says that when Peter walks in, he notices that these garments... Illustration. That the garments that had wrapped his body had been thrown. But the Bible says that they noticed separate from that garment was the head garment and it was folded. Peter, did he notice the body was gone? I'm not calling Peter into question, but obviously he recognized the body was gone. Which confirms Mary Magdalene was partially correct. (laughs) He ain't there. But when Peter noticed these garments and this garment, The Bible says what? He believed, though he could not see, and he could not touch, he still believed. John walks in after him and looks and sees, and he also believes. Now what would make a man believe in what he cannot see and what he cannot touch. The Bible says that the handkerchief, the head garment, was folded, nice and neat and placed, separate from that garment. So that doesn't say a whole lot. Oh, it says everything. It says everything. Because in Hebrew custom, when a master and a servant was eating, the, the master would begin to eat. The servant would stay out of the room and would not come in and clean the room, clean the, the, the dishes, until the master had identified that he was finished. When a master had finished eating and he was finished eating, he would throw his napkin on the table or on the place of eating because they didn't have tables in, okay? 
They kind of laid down neat, but that's a whole other story. They throw it down, and that was a notification to the to the servant that he was he was done eating. However, if the man who was eating and had an intention of coming back, he lets you know as a servant that I don't want you to think that I'm finished, I'm coming back. He wouldn't just randomly throw his napkin on the, the setting place, he would fold it. And though he was gone, if you were the servant and you walked in and you noticed that he had folded his napkin, the message was, he's coming back. No, obviously you ain't picked that up just yet. (laughs) So if the custom was to fold it, to send the message that I'm not done, I'm coming back then when you look at the Scripture, and all of this was folded up, it wasn't folded, it was just randomly placed, but the napkin was folded. I don't have to see, and I don't have to touch what I think is reality if I understand the message in the pain. My God, my God. You've got to see the message in your pain. Peter sees that and goes, I know that. Because, see, we had a last supper together. Last time we ate. See, I understand the custom. I understand what it is. And if we were done eating and we were ready for him to clean the table, we didn't have to fold nothing up. You know, I'm going to wipe the barbecue sauce off. And just throw my napkin down. I'm done. It's over. Finished. But if I have an intention to come back, then I've got to send the servant a message because I don't want him to think that he can take away what I'm not finished with. So I've got to fold it up. Is it possible that Jesus folded the napkin to send the message that nobody stole him? So, so when Peter gets in there, he goes, yep, he's gone. And then he saw this. John saw it. How evident was it John saw it? He recorded it. He wrote it down. In that precious little book you got on your lap, says that this was disarrayed, but the head, the handkerchief, the cloth was folded. Does anybody believe in randomness? Coincidence or fate? No. Why does that play such a significant role if it didn't mean anything? Because the report they had was somebody stole the body. They get to the tomb, nobody confirms the reality. He's not there. Is Mary Magdalene right? And Peter looks and he sees this. And it convinces him, and he believes. We made sacred cows out of a lot of things. The whole message of the resurrection 
wait a minute. He'd already preached he was coming back. But he understood that people would try to use the pain of the cross and the crucifixion and his death to cause them to give up hope. So he folded his head napkin, left it as a living testimony. And Peter sees it and believes. John sees it and believes. And listen, it was folded together in the place by itself. And John went into the tomb, he saw, and he believed. It says, for yet they didn't know that the Scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. And I thought, my God, how many times in my life have I missed the obvious because I looked for the reality? Oh, hallelujah. How many times have you run with anxiousness and fear and trembling because some report you received told you something that you couldn't see and you couldn't touch so you perceived the, the end was pain? I see a folded napkin in my life. I see the Lord saying... I'm not finished with you. I see the Lord say, I'm coming back. I know He's coming back, church. I know He's coming back. But I need to hear it personally. I need to hear the Lord say, I'm not finished with you either. What the beauty, what the beauty, what the beauty of the thought. He's still working on me. And the very fact that they couldn't confirm the body wasn't there. They didn't continue without revelation. That folded napkin gave them a revelation. The Bible says soon after that, and you know the story as well as I, that Jesus appeared to them and confirmed Himself to them, didn't He? But they believed before they could see Him because Jesus left a message. Ladies and gentlemen, I look around this room, and you know what? I see a lot of people who's been through a lot of things. A lot of hurts, a lot of pains, a lot of wounds. But I think you're failing to see that He isn't done with you. He is coming back to continue to visit with you and work with you and, and manufacture in you hope so that you can continue to be a testimony. You know what I see in this room? I don't see death garments. I see folded napkins. Say, He's still working, He's still working, He's still working, He's still working. He's going to revisit. See, that's why I came to church this morning. I want you to revisit me, Lord. I need a revisitation. I need more power, more glory, more anointing. I need more of your presence, but I need more of your assurance. Come on, stand with me in this room. I told you I wouldn't hold you terribly long, and I probably held you longer than you wanted, but that's okay. We hope you enjoyed the message today. Please visit www.fivestoneschurch.info for more messages and media resources. Thank you for downloading this.